Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you this morning to Bible study time with Rick Bonvin Ministries. I'm delighted to be here with you this morning and to look at uh, some scriptures from the book of James and to enjoy this time of rest and thought and prayer. It's a good time, any time, to open your Bible. Put it in your lap and study the word of the Lord. And today we've got just a wonderful scripture to help us in life and the difficulties that we face. It's a scripture that is in the book of James. And it is the first chapter and the sixth verse. Let me read it to you and I will be using the King James Version offhand here. James says this, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. There ends the reading of the verse that we're going to consider this morning. It's a good, good thing to just take a verse sometimes and uh, just yank it right out of its context and <laughs> let it speak to you. Let it speak to you. It's okay. It's proper to put it in its context, but sometimes, sometimes just a single, single verse can make all the difference between how you're going to get through your life than, than, than struggling over a whole passage. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at the context of it a little bit as well. So we don't get too far for you. But we're going to use a, a style of study when you have one verse. Sometimes you pick that verse up like you, like you have a diamond, like you find a, found a diamond in a diamond mine. And you look at the diamond and you turn it. And as you turn it, the light strikes it in a different way. Sometimes it'll be a bright light out of one corner and then a dull blue light out of another corner. And then that's the way a diamond is. It reflects the light in a different way. And this is a text that that is good for that. Because the more you turn it, the more you look at it, the more God speaks through it and reflects off of it into your life. So you, you have a method, a new method to study the Word of God. Just one verse at a time and just beat it to death. Look it over, see what it See what it says in every way it says it. The, the text is, is talking about how it is that we ask God for things. You call that technically what they call a petition. Uh, when you ask God for something, you're, you're petitioning God for something. And that sort of a prayer of petition uh, is fine as long as you, you sometimes that's accompanied with 
prayers of uh, confession because <laughs> we sometimes want things we ought not to have. And that's what this little text is talking about. It's talking about wisdom. The wisdom of your faith is important for James. That you just willy-nilly ask for something without thinking about the consequences of it or the fact that God might not want you to have it. God might have a different plan for you, different twist on your life at this point. And you think you know, or I know, what my petition is when at the same time God is is tapping the brakes and saying, no, 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 no. Slow down a minute. I'm making you walk this path for a particular reason. Maybe it's a temptation you've been struggling with for a long, long time. Maybe it's some health issue, some trial that you go through. just cannot lose that weight that you'd like to get rid of. But the God, it just seems as if, it seems as if the trial and walking through it might put you into a context where you can speak to somebody who also has the same struggle. Do you see? Do you see? Now this is why James is so controversial and so, well, controversial in the sense that it, 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 he, he doesn't say the things that, that we want to hear. And that's the way it is. It's, he basically says that you have to practice your faith. And be sure you hear me on that because that's sort of the main topic. You practice your faith. If you say, James, you know, later we'll say, if you say you have faith, that's a good thing. But you show me your faith and I'll show you my works. See, James felt that faith and works went together. In fact, I heard one preacher say one time that, uh, that put, them, put them right together and say faith works. Faith works. It, faith works. It works. But it, you don't just sit on faith. Now, John Wesley spoke of that and said that's what he calls a dead faith. A dead faith is something that don't do no work. You know, one thing about a mission trip that's customary is you go and you have a good time. You learn some stuff and all, but you work. You work, you work. Maybe you'll preach. Maybe you'll teach. Maybe you'll pray. Maybe you'll, you know, put cement on the side of a building or paint an old door or, or do something. But you got to do something. Faith works. Faith don't just sit around on his butt all day and wait for something to happen. Faith gets up, gets going, gets moving. Now, why would this be a problem if somebody would say, well, here's the reason. You see, well, the story of Martin Luther emerges here. Martin Luther was a, a German pastor who was sick to death with works salvation. The Roman Catholics believed in works. And, and and if you had a problem with God, you took it to the priest, and the priest took it to God. And they had gotten to the point where where they were selling what they called indulgences, that God would give you a break for a certain amount of money. I mean, that's, that's how bad it had gotten. And Martin Luther dug up around in Romans and came up with the fact that all you need to be saved is faith. If you look in the third chapter of the book of Romans, you'll find it laid out there. Martin Luther discovered that 
well, he didn't discover it, but he, he re, revisited it enough to the point that that became almost his entire theology. A wonderful German theologian, deep thinker, uh, when, when he, when he, when he made up his mind to do something, he went and nailed it on the doors of the church. He, he nailed up a 90, 90 some thesis of, this is, this is it, that God saves you apart from your works. See? So when Martin Luther studied the book of James, he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. He said it ought not to be in the Bible. We shouldn't be confused about who died for us and well, how we get saved. We don't have any part to do in that. God does all that. But James doesn't seem to go there. James will not submit to the argument that all you need is what John Wesley called a dead faith. No, no. You need a lively faith. This is what has separated the historic Methodists from the historic Lutherans. That that strange, weird difference about arguing over the same point. But, but James makes it so wonderfully, wonderfully clear that your faith is important, but your works is just as important. Now, uh, I want to talk about the danger in that this text talks about. The wavering, uh, rolling around like the waves are tossed on the sea. You understand, James feels that if you don't have this straightened out, you're going to be all over the map. You're going to be wavering in every direction. You know, ketchup, I love ketchup on a hot dog. I love it. Most people don't like that, but I do. Now, I like ketchup on a hot dog, but I won't take ketchup on a sailboat because if a bottle of ketchup gets loose in a galley of a sailboat when the boat is rolling from one side to another, a single bottle of ketchup can bust open in that galley and get that glass and that ketchup all over the floor. It looked like somebody killed a hog in there. Nobody can walk in there. Nobody can go in there. All because of one single solitary bottle of runaway ketchup. Because it's not tied down. You have got to tie this down. See? Tie this down. Faith works. Faith and works. You hear, you hear a theology dependent entirely upon faith. Grace, even grace, grace through faith, built entirely upon that. It's a weak structure because you've got to work. You've got to have something to show for that. The danger of not being tied down in this thing is when when you get in trouble, when things starts to roll on you. I don't know if you've ever faced this or not, but no matter how good a Christian you are, you're going to get run over sometimes and be nothing but roadkill because faith will not sustain you all by itself. Works will help you in that time. There's a a delusion that we have of tranquility that will be able to overcome things, you know, but that's not so. That's not so. That's drifting in the wind. Or whatever current is blowing. And you're at the mercy of the breezes. 
you, a breeze can blow from the north and, and blow you south. A breeze can blow from the east and blow you west. You see, you gotta have works and faith. You gotta think. The writer of James, whoever it was, and by the way, we think it was the brother of the Lord and, and the founder of the early church at Jerusalem, but we don't know that. What we do know about the book of James is it's ancient history. It really is some of the oldest material in the Bible. It's about 40 years after Jesus. This, this thing starts being written by this character named James. He practices his faith. You hear me? What I'm talking about is living in a world where people say faith is all they need. Living in that world, somebody has got to bring a correction to that. And James says it's practice. I don't know how, when I was a boy, I took up the saxophone in high school. I played in a high school marching band. And somewhere I had to practice that thing. Now, practicing a saxophone and to have to hear that is one of the greatest tortures of invented by human beings. Because if you can't, if you don't know what note you're playing and you're trying to find it with a saxophone, it'll drive the whole neighborhood crazy. And I would go and get in the closet and practice my saxophone lesson. And my grandfather was living with us at the time and he would say, Oh boy, will you please put that thing down? And why don't you play an instrument that's really good? And I said, well, Granddad, what kind of instrument do you think I should play? He said, well, you should play something real good, like a juice harp, like a juice harp. You know what a juice harp is? That crazy thing you put in your mouth and in the country people hit it, play it with a, that's a juice harp. He liked the sound of the juice harp. He didn't like that honking saxophone that sounded like somebody was strangling a goose all day long. No, sir. He didn't. But what I'm trying to tell you is I had to practice. I had to practice. You've got to practice this faith. Just like a piano lesson. I know a lot of people have had piano lessons and you know what a drudgery that can be. You can't just kill you. Because at a certain time, every day, you've got to be there with all you got and, 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 and practice. Sit down and practice. Practice. Practice what you preach, you have heard that saying. James, you see, is a practical theologian. He's not a theoretical one. He's not too much interested in theology and how that turns out. He don't care. He wants to know whether or not you're going to put biscuits on the table. He wants to know whether or not you're going to raise $2,000 to pay the missionary, he wants to know how much have you paid the missionary. He wants, he doesn't want the foolishness of the theological, uh, stretch. He wants the truth of what your checking account looks like when you shake it out. What have you done with what God has given you? Now, this is typical Wesleyan theology. He used to stand up in front of your preachers. And say, what are you going to do with your tongue when you're dead? It's going to turn to dust in your skull. You tell them it's awful sounding stuff. But the truth is, there's a practical side to your faith. 
it makes me ask myself, what were the sources of James's um, thinking? Where did he get this from? Well, he, he got it from his own religious experience. In the, in the early life of the church, you see, there were a lot of people that loved the cross. I mean, the cross was everything. If you look uh, in James, the cross isn't mentioned. Isn't that interesting? Not even in there. Why do you suppose that is? Well, I don't really know. Volkswagens aren't in there either. But just because something isn't in something don't mean it has much weight. But at the same time, it's worth consideration. See, James felt like what was almost as important as that is the reason required to think through that thing about what it is that makes you righteous before God. See, Paul claimed we were justified by faith. I said that in another way a while ago, rather than works. He says that over and over and over. You're justified by grace, through by faith, through works, oh, no, no. But James, no, that's not enough. That's going the right way, but it's not, not far enough. He believed that works ought to be a part of it too, see. And so much so that he would stretch himself out and say, you show me your faith and I'll show you my works and my works will supersede. Well, that, that of course is not right. That's not right. What is right is the two of them together is what's important. Faith works. Faith works. They complement one another. There's a necessary tension between the two that you have to have in order to have a proper understanding of what's going on. I mean, I'm, I'm in a little uh, civic club called the Kiwanis Club. And what they hit on an idea of selling blueberries. You, you would think it's the craziest thing you've ever heard. But they buy a truckload of blueberries from up in New Jersey somewhere, fresh, bring them back down here to Virginia, and sell them in 10-pound buckets. And they just sell out the whole bus. Twenty, they raised twenty so over twenty some thousand dollars so far just selling blueberries. Now, what I'm saying is, uh, what can you do? What, what, what can you do? Certainly more than just sell blueberries, but I mean, it, the Kiwanis Club and Civic Clubs are based on the notion that they ought to do something. They ought to do something. See, they do something for the children of the world. That's what they say. What they say. One thing about a small church. When people say, I'd rather have a big church or a small church, I don't know about that. Because when you're in a small church, you can get things done that you can't do in a big church. Maybe not, maybe not as many numbers involved in it, but you can get her done. You can get her done, boy. If something needs to be done, you know the right person to ask to do it, you can get her done. Because they believe very firmly that works have to be hooked up to your faith. Or you're just a talker, talker rather than a walker. A talker rather than a walker. James is justified by works and not faith alone. That's the verse there. A wise community walks the talk. These little churches, sometimes they, they, you, you may say, well, they don't do anything. But sit down side the road and there's no more than two or three families in there. And I don't know what they're doing. Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. Nine times out of ten, they're raising a bunch of money to do something. Do something. 
and more than just, you know, give the pastor a good birthday present. It's more than that. You look at their bank balance and what they're doing, what they're doing, you'll find that God needs them and uses them. Because even though they have faith, they also have works. They're slow to anger and talk to walk. Jesus is only mentioned in James twice. Jesus is no cross. No Jesus dying to pay for our sins. Not in James. No mention of baptism, as important as that is. Grace, and the beautiful meaning of that theological conception, does not appear. But can a person be saved by works alone? Certainly not. There's nothing works worse than somebody who thinks that way in terms of the community they may represent. Oh boy, Kiwanis Club is a great group. But I'll tell you, it's not, it ain't going all the way there. It'll do works, do beautiful works. But uh, it's a civic club and all kinds of people are in the civic club. Not necessarily a Christian thing. Well, what can we do about this? Can we be a listener to other people's problems? One who really listens and then gets up off their butt and does something about it? It's one thing to be a great listener. It's another thing to do something about what you heard. How about a thinker who thinks? Great, great day in the morning. What about a thinker? Are you a thinker? You an intellectual? Does all you do is think about it? Do you ever come around and actually do something about it? Are you a talker who talks? Can you talk the white sidewalls off of a Lincoln automobile? Well, have you got anything in you other than just talk? James would demand that of you and seek to ask you to give it up for him. Are you a believer who believes? Oh, you'd probably say so. You'd probably say, I believe in Jesus. Believe Jesus loves me no matter what I do. And Jesus will be waiting for me at the end of the world. Are you a believer, though, that makes a difference down here? Are you so heavenly powerful that you're no earthly good for nothing? These kinds of tough questions tumble out of that little verse. Just by the twisting of the diamond. But a Christian who gets things done for the kingdom of God, uh, I like that. Most anybody likes that. Get get something done. That's why I love this ministry, this this, this mission ministry. I, I love it, man, because they get things done. Get them done. Get her done. I like that. I had a thing in church one time. Where we could always plan things. Church work, we love to plan things. We would plan, 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 plan. But we never did anything. <laughs> we'd, we'd do brainstorms, you know. We'd get the blackboard out and say, what do you want to do? We want to have a chicken feast. We want to do, we want to go on a trip. We want to do this. Well, bus trip here. But you, did they ever do anything? No. What we finally had to do was write a form out that had in the form of planning the execution of the event. 
We had to ask ourselves some simple questions. Who's going to do it? When are you going to do it? How much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to clean up afterwards? Who's going to promote it? In the end, who's going to reflect on it and see whether or not we did any good with it? And on and on until we, when we could answer those questions, the project was already done. All you had to do is ask and answer the right questions at the right time, and the project was done. But it had to get done. Down the form, what did you put five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? It had to do every one of them before you started. You had to get it done. Getting it done was important. Well, practice your faith. Practice it. And practice it by doing what it is you say you have faith to do. To the endless planning and things, just know that all that will come to an end. True faith is lively, lively, with doing involved in it. Now, beloved, I'm at the end of my trail here with you this morning. And you're going to discover, if you continue to study James, that it is a stern notation to us that we need to hear. So we don't drift in the wind, waver all over the place, and roll around and bust open like a bottle of ketchup on a sailboat. So that we stay out, heap ourselves together when the storms of life toss us around. Well, you can't separate faith from works. If you do, they'll both die. So keep them together. And that's my word to you today. Just keep faith in mercy. Practice your piano. Practice your faith. That's what young people are looking for. Something to do. They've heard all the talk we got. They want to see what we can scratch and do. What can you do to make the world around you a better place? Well, that's the end of my story. Now, listen. Go forth from here knowing that God loves you and is on your side. You're not alone. Go from here knowing that when you put your faith in Jesus, oh, you got it in the right place. And ask him to show you what he wants you to do. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. For the sweetness of your holy word as was submitted to us this morning in your wonderful word of God. Thank you for our friends and for our love of thee. Let us ask in faith, nothing wavering. For when we waver, we are tossed like waves on the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Amen. Goodbye, everybody. Love you. Bye-bye.
estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que é no meu viver 